Well, Dan, welcome. Great to have you here today. Thank you for having us, Lydna. Are there any unique challenges that you think the Middle East region faces in incorporating sustainability and aligning with global goals that other regions may not face to the same extent? We need to acknowledge the fact that we are in a hydrocarbon heavy area of the world here in the Middle East. Um, you know, we are a big producer of oil and gas yeah. globally. Um, it is a key concern clearly going into any sort of COP negotiation or any sort of discussion around climate change. And, you know, as a result, there are there are many challenges we need to address. It's the, the just transition, I think, for us is the big one. Um, okay. You know, it's how do we negotiate uh, the future, but also acknowledging the resources that the country had previously um, and trying to optimise those, but also phase them out in a in an amicable manner. And it's something I think I'm excited about for this COP yeah. um, because it's the first time I think that the, the business world um, who has been trying to integrate these in the in the region, in the Middle East, um, has a seat at the table and is able to actually get in close to these negotiations and to understand what the various governments are doing. Um, so, you know, it, it's a unique challenge to the region that you have such a, a heavy fossil fuel that we are trying to mitigate globally. Um, and it is in this area and, and something that will be discussed, I think, quite heavily through the, the two weeks of COP and in the lead up and, and following it. Okay, very interesting. So what strategies are you seeing companies in the Middle East adopting in order to deal with their climate change footprint? Yeah, uh, they are on a journey, I okay. think is, the, is the, the best way of describing it. We are beginning the process here in the Middle East and a lot of it comes down to data. So some of the, the more advanced companies in the region have got excellent data management they understand their carbon footprint, they understand their energy intensity and efficiency. What we need to do is get everyone up to that same level of speed and up to that level of literacy that you know Europe and the US and other regions are um, in terms of data management. So understanding the carbon footprint is a key one that we're seeing with our clients at the moment. We're seeing a lot of people go through greenhouse gas measurement processes, understanding you know what is material to their operations, understanding their upstream and downstream impacts. Um, and then I think the next step from there will be going through the audit and assurance process to actually get clarity and transparency around that information and that data so that we're able to report to the stakeholders and to the globe that we have an accurate footprint and that we are doing as much as we can to start to, to mitigate that and, and reduce it as much as possible. In terms of regulatory strategies, you need multiple stakeholders and effective collaboration between them. So governments, businesses, NGOs, etc. How do you think COP28 can bring together all of those different stakeholders effectively to co-create and the, then implement really robust regulatory frameworks? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest here, COP, the, the Conference of Parties has been trying to do that for, for 30 plus years now. Um, and I think we saw the best example of that in, in Paris, where we, we got the Paris Agreement aligned between multiple stakeholders, multiple governments. It's, it's a challenge. It's one of the hardest things, I think, to do for an issue that spans borders. Um, it is not just one country's issue or one people's issue. It is a, a global issue. So getting those stakeholders together in a room to actually converse about this topic and to, to discuss regulation will be really key. I think for us in the, the Middle East here, we are seeing governments and regulators already start to have these conversations with industry, uh, with key stakeholders um, across the government. So you know, we really need to hope that they come together and we have heard whispers that there will be regulation coming in the region um, around COP. Um, but it is a, a topic and a, it's something that the Middle East also is quite unique, back to your first question there, around regulation being quite crucial because our region thrives on regulation. Um, a lot of players will wait till a regulatory framework comes out before they actually act and they start to implement. Um, so we're hoping, I think, that, that this COP creates that regulation, creates that framework so that 
many more players can come to the party and we can all, of course, get to the, the net zero targets that many of the countries in the region have committed to. Excellent. I love the secularity back to the first question. <laughs> so with COP28 coming to the UAE in November, which you and I are very excited about, given that we've lived in this country for a number of years and we've seen it develop, what do you think um, will be the key outcomes that follow on in the region in the months post-COP? Yeah, I think we've already started to see it pre-COP, to be honest, as well. I think we've started to see it. It's, it aligns with the UAE's Year of Sustainability, um, which has been a big driver in action across many private public companies um, in the region. So we've seen a lot of action actually already start to happen in the lead up to COP. What I think we all hope who are people who live here or people who work in the industry is that it, it continues um, in whatever form that is, whether that's a regulatory framework, whether that's um, another mechanism, but that it continues and has a legacy. Um, and that we continue to manage, to mitigate, um, to reduce emissions collectively and to sort of transition to this low carbon economy. Um, and I think that's something we've seen in the Middle East, that they are capable of very quick transformation. Once we get all the stakeholders together, once we align and we have that sort of direction going forward, we will be able to make a meaningful impact, which is, I think, the key outcome I'd like to see out of, out of this COP negotiation. We've seen regulators, society, businesses, they're all on a journey towards sustainability. What's the key piece of advice that you would give to business leaders to help them ensure that they play a role in that journey? Yeah, terrific question. I think that the biggest thing for me is to start now. It's not something you can flick a switch on and all of a sudden become net zero or become carbon neutral on overnight. Um, there is a transition, there is a transparency element, and you need to be able to tell your journey and tell your story to your stakeholders because it's something they understand. They don't expect companies to become the best performing greenhouse gas emitting company overnight, or they don't expect them to completely change their, their operations. They understand the corporate uh, roles and the strategies that are in place. So starting now, understanding your impacts, understanding your issues, and then starting to communicate that transparently, um, for me, for whether it's corporates, governments, NGOs, is just really crucial in helping them sort of get the just transition and, and move forward collectively. Excellent. There you go. Start now. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been great having you here. Thank you, Lubna. Thanks for having us. Thank you for watching. Keep an eye out for our next episode. And for more insights, please subscribe to the Deloitte Sustainability Regulation Hub in the link below.